Turn with me, if you would, to that sermon to the Hebrews, New Testament, page 1001 in the Pew Bibles there. And we're going to read the entire chapter, but we'll focus on verses 5 through 14 this morning. The author is really propping up his assertion that Jesus uh, reigns, and he reigns supreme. He is over uh, all of creation. He is supreme to all angelic beings. And so recall that the prophet, the angels, were servants of the Old Covenant. Uh, They mediated the words of uh, the Old Testament revelation, but Jesus, the Son, fulfills this Old Covenant. Uh, He is the mediator of a new and final revelation of God. Uh, This pastor, remember, last week he's, he's speaking to a young church who is fearful, Uh, They're really uncertain, facing opposition, questioning whether standing for Jesus really is worth it. Um, And so this pastor is drawing upon the inspired words of the Old Testament that they know to show them Christ. Um, Listening to the sermon to the Hebrews, it's a great exercise in cross-referencing because it helps us not only interpret the Old Testament, but how to read and understand the New Testament in light of uh, the old. So again, beginning in 1 verse 1, and we'll uh, finish, it leads right into this concluding question in verse 14. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son." And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand? until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? The grass withers, the flower fades. Our life is like the dew on the grass in the morning that disappears and passes away. But God's word will stand forever. Let's pray. Lord God, you are so very gracious in giving us your word, in revealing your very heart to us this morning. And so we ask for your help. You'd come by your Holy Spirit to illumine our hearts and minds to the truth of this, your word. 
Lord, help us that we might not only handle your word rightly, but we would apply it rightly in our own lives. Lord, raise our eyes, fix our gaze upon Christ, ruler who reigns over all. Guide us now. We be attentive in these moments. Speak faithfully through your servant. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last weekend, there were several memorials, remembrances uh, across the country of what took place now 20 years ago uh, on the East Coast, New York City and Washington, D.C. Um, really was sort of that Pearl Harbor moment for my generation, what took place on September 11, and uh, really brought the nation to a place of unity, uh, unity in grief, um, but also this place of unity in power, unity of resolve. We actually could see that there was something bad that had happened. There was this good and evil um, that was shared, uh, at least by, by many, many across the land. But it unfortunately didn't take long for Americans to, um, at least in our pursuit of personal peace and affluence, to forget the reality in which we live. To forget the, the type of pain that came with the attacks of 9-11 and what that taught us. That there are moral absolutes. There are categories for good and for evil. Instead of embracing the things that that tragedy taught us, um, we've gone back now to the denial of truth. Even concluding that because of moral absolutes, things like the 9-11 attacks happen. As uh, John Stone Street notes, he says it's a very short step uh, between just a different kind of absolute in which evil is called good and good evil. And as a culture, we have uh, forgotten what may have been the most important lessons from 20 years ago. Now as a church, we know the importance of remembering. We know the importance of learning from not just experience of those who have gone before us, um, but the word that has gone before us. Um, and so the preacher here is really leaning on this Old Testament word, a past word that has very present importance, a word that has immediate application that must be remembered. Uh, remembered for what it teaches the church uh, in these final days. So we can't simply look at the Old Testament and say, well, that was important in its time, that was important for the storyline but it doesn't seem to have much relevancy uh, today. Um, The Sermon of the Hebrews is going to crush the idea uh, that that is, and and I hope it encourages us, even spurs us to remember the meaning of Old Testament revelation, want to to learn, apply it more. Uh, So the author's already alluded to several passages in the Old Testament, showing forth the Son as eternal, the Son, the incarnate one. He is the exalted one. The living word, the final revelation, and now is superior to the heavenly messengers who have all gone uh, before him. Um, so this string of, of Old Testament passages showing the superiority of the Son and the service of the angels. Superiority of the Son and the service of the angels. Uh, so this pastor is laying a foundation, firm footing in order to exert the church excuse me, to exhort the church to uh, faithfulness. Um, 
We need to see Christ as superior. So verses 5 and 6, and then again in 8 through 11, he compares Jesus as the Son to the angels. I'm going to lean here on William Lane's four-part comparison in showing the superiority of Jesus. He's superior because of his name. His name is greater than the angels. We touched on this uh, last week in verse 4, moving to verse 5. The Jews have waited a, a very long time Some of them are still waiting in this very moment for a descendant from David's line. For the Messiah, the final king of David to take his throne. And Jesus has fulfilled that covenant promise to David. He is the Son of God and the Son of David. So it's His name, you almost hear Natalie Grant singing this out, His name is great, high and lifted up. Verse 6, you could say it's the dignity of Jesus, the worth of Jesus that is greater than the angels. The angels look up to and worship the Son. Angels are not worshipped. The Son is worshipped. So in, in Israel, the firstborn would receive the largest part of the inheritance They would be the ones responsible for managing what was entrusted. And Jesus, the resurrected Son, He's the firstborn, but the creator and sustainer of all things. It all belongs to Him. We're not not sure if it's a reference to Deuteronomy 32 or maybe Psalm 97 uh, that we've read earlier that the the preacher uses here to say that all creation, all the angels, uh, worship the firstborn. Um, But there's more. So if Jesus, Jesus should be growing, growing more prominent, more powerful, more important before our eyes. If that's what's happening in the sermon, the sermon is landing. Verses 7 through 12, it's the status of Jesus that's greater than the angels. Uh, Psalm 45, uh, the, the heir of David is now addressed as God. Um, He's the one anointed. He's the one who lives forever. Um, and that, that's really important and essential to our hope as human beings who know and experience weakness, who know and experience suffering. And this is where Psalm 102 digs into this. It's a cry of lament in a time of, of distress. And this cry only yields to the unchanging character and faithfulness of God. Let me read where that change takes place in Psalm 102. My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. Those ever your words? But then in verse 12, But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. So God's faithfulness, His unchanging character, that is the main ingredient for our hope. Everything else may pass away. Heaven and earth may pass away. But the Son, the living Word, does not change or pass away. So His status is greater. So we have the name of Jesus, the dignity, status of Jesus. And verse 13 shows us that His function is greater than the angels. Back in verse 3, there was an allusion to Psalm 110, which is where this, this string of references comes to an end. The psalm speaks of the Messiah. 
the heir in David's throne. And the Jews believe that this psalm speaks to the Messiah. He is divine. He rules as king. So the function of the angels is not to rule side by side with the Son. Only Christ reigns. Only He rules at the right hand of God the Father. So I want us to think now about what this requires of us. Um, as we just we hear this comparison between Jesus and the angels, what it required of the early Christians in the first it's, it's what it requires of us. Um, if angels were important in the minds of the early Jewish Christian, then Jesus should be more important. If they were inclined to listen to the words of angels, they should be more inclined to listen to the word of Jesus. If they were at all tempted to venerate or to worship angels, they should be prompted to worship Jesus. So what prompts you? What moves you? I think most of the time we perceive that there's some benefit for us or some benefit for another that moves us to help. Um, it moves us to act. I mean, something as simple as you know, cleaning up the dishes or picking up trash or uh, you know, just caring for, for the parts of, of creation. It, it looks nicer. It, it, uh, it helps. Fixing a leaky faucet or making a meal or reading a story. Um, we want to help. We want to meet a need and there are benefits to that. Sometimes we just we gather enough information that it, it solidifies a belief and that's what prompts us to act. That is why each and every one of you are here this morning. Um, not only does God command us to gather together, but you believe that it is a privilege of God's grace. That it is necessary and important to come together as God's people in worship. Um, and some of you are maybe here because mom or dad woke you up and dragged you into the car. Um, but consider what prompted them to do that. Tuck that away as, as a lesson learned. Okay, when we learn the lessons, we don't ignore what's been said through the Old Testament revelation. It makes the gospel all the sweeter. Our need for Jesus all the greater when we learn those lessons. To the string of Old Testament passages to solidify a belief in the greatness and superiority of Jesus that moves us to listen, deepens our trust. It should deepen our, our confidence in the face of fear, in the face of uncertainty. The Son is unchanging, Christ is unchanging. It's the same yesterday, today, forever. We're going to hear those very words at the end of this sermon in Hebrews. He is the foundation when everything else around us is shifting. We understand this. We're experiencing how life shifts. Unexpected illness. Maybe shattered dreams that you've had. Disappointment. Tragedy within our our families. Natural disasters that we're seeing. Political division, hatred, this whole abandonment of truth. That makes us unsteady. And fearful. I can remember saying very similar thing just over a year ago as we were faced with this uh, spread of the coronavirus. Well, here we are. Now we're, you know, a, a deeper longing, 
a deeper longing for the, the coming kingdom. King Jesus, the Son and throne at the Father's right hand, He is our anchor, our rock, and He is unchanging. So you can rest today. You can rest. And you can step into tomorrow morning, whatever it may hold, because your life is in His hands. You are bound to Him by faith. The Spirit of God assures us of this. So the Son is greater than the angels. His function is to rule, while the function of the angels is to serve. It moves us into this next point. Uh, Verse 7, He makes His angels winds, His ministers a flame of fire. Um, Psalm 104 talks about the the, the lightning and, and the winds as the Lord's messengers. Uh, they serve His purpose. I know we're, we're familiar with physical messengers. We don't have telegrams today that are being uh, read or sung to us, but you know, through our email or message, uh, voicemail, uh, you know, the, the purpose of, of delivering a message. So there are these physical messengers that serve God's purpose, but we also have spiritual messengers. And Psalm 103 and 104, very closely connected, describe angels as God's servants, His ministers. There are a couple of verses from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. So that language shows up again in 114. Ministering spirits sent to serve. Now we mentioned angels uh, and the function of angels. I know some of you have... uh, Roma Downey and Della Reese in your minds, touched by an angel in the 90s. I know you've watched some of those episodes. Um, Or maybe Clarence, It's a Wonderful Life, comes to mind. Uh, For those of you who are under the age of 30, it might be Earl and Saving Grace or Aaron in the film Fallen. Human angels who are coming to the rescue of human beings. There's these heavenly psychologists. Uh, Or maybe living life uh, unbecoming of angels. And I don't want to um, you know, disparage that type of entertainment. There's some, some goodness and truth to be found there. Um, though we should see it as entertainment, attempts to convey what it is uh, we do or do not know about angels uh, from God's Word. I want to mention several things briefly here. Grateful for the input of, of Sam Storms on this. We need to understand that angels are not eternal. Um, at one point, they were created, and we don't know exactly uh, know when, maybe Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and maybe at that time that the angels were created. Uh, but they're spirit beings. Uh, they can take on shape and form in a specific place. They can assume the form of, of human beings, though they don't die like we do, like human beings. Jesus confirmed this in Luke 20. Listen to what he said. Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to attain to that age, to the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they cannot die anymore because they are equal to angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. Uh, We know that angels can be visible to the naked eye, but they also can appear in visions and dreams. Um, And the typical response to angels is not, well, isn't that cute? Can I come and and give you a hug? No, it's typically one of of great fear, astonishment. 
people are typically uh, ready to die or think they're going to die when they are confronted with uh, an angel. Why is that? Well, think of who the angel is representing, who the angels are speaking for, the very power of angels given by God uh, and is subject to his uh, purpose. Uh, And if angels fulfill God's will, then angels really could do just about anything that he wants them uh, to do. They can provide guidance to his people, direction. We see this throughout both Old Testament and New Testament. They guard and protect the children of God. We could go to the Psalms. We could go to the prophet Daniel. Um, Or these fascinating words of Jesus in Matthew 18. So Jesus is holding a child. or There's a child next to him when he says this. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. (laughs) Get a load of that. Don't be messing with one of God's little ones. Um, he regards them so highly, he's appointed angels. Angels who may be very, very close to him to keep watch. Um, also appears from Scripture that, that angels remain in the, the moral state. Um, they may be elect angels, holy angels, and then following the rebellion of Satan, we have of those who aligned with him, evil angels. And there's no examples in the scriptures of angels going the other direction, of repenting and, and turning back to the Lord. Um, that's God's grace uh, to human beings. So much so, he went to the Apostle Peter, and he spoke of those who were um, sharing the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he said this grace was something to which angels longed to look. So what does that require of us? Take again this question from 114. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? They are servants for the sake of those hearing this very message. So we we need to appreciate this. We need to appreciate the service of angels. God uses them, continues to use them for spiritual uh, direction, spiritual assistance in the life of His people. But our allegiance and our devotion belongs to Christ as the Son. Angels can help us worship. They model this. If you go to Revelation 4 and 5, you'll see this. But we don't obsess over them or worship them. Here's another thing that we can take away from verse 14 is that God, and this is closely connected with that that first uh, section, but God knows your needs specifically. He is very much uh, attuned to the particulars of your life and my life. He doesn't save us unto eternal life and says, okay, Ed's taken care of. Okay, Tony's taken care of. Tim's taken care of. Let's move on. No, that's, that's not his attitude. It's not the way he works. He knows us and is, is thoughtful and intentional in his engagement with us for the sake of those who are to inherit uh, salvation. So even before you came to faith, God is working. And He's using both physical messengers and spiritual messengers to serve His purpose in your life, specifically. So, if you're fearful this morning, uh, 
Maybe you're fearing for, for a loved one that you or they might turn aside from the truth of the gospel or lay aside the hope that's found in Christ. And I know that's a possibility. I know that fear exists for us. Others of us may be thinking, you know, I'm, that's not my fear or concern, and yet how easy it is for us to downplay the seriousness of walking with Christ. Maybe of living in, in obedience uh, to the Lord Jesus. This entire Old Testament witness is propping up and supporting the need to remember. Um, to give attention to what we've heard in the gospel. Uh, and that, that's the main point of application going into uh, chapter 2, which will start next week. Pastor Rich Phillips, he reminds us, there's nothing that you might face. There's nothing that you might lack. Nothing you might need in all your weakness and sin and human frailty that is not found abundantly in Him who loves you and gave Himself for you. Our years come to an end. The years of Jesus have no end. He reigns. He, he holds us in this life and He holds us, brothers and sisters, in the life to come. Let's exalt His name together. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank You for Your Word. You have shown us so clearly um, the superiority of Christ, His name, His worth, and even His function and ruling over all. Lord Jesus, You are the King of kings and we crown You as Lord. Um, Lord, forgive us when we have placed other parts of Your creation even those that you have faithfully uh, spoken and worked through, messengers of your revelation, how easy it is, it is for us to uh, lift them up and venerate them. Lord, we thank you for this reminder from your Old Testament word that the angels are your servants made to fulfill your purpose. You use them to teach us, to instruct us, uh, and to Show us the greatness and the glory of Christ. In His name we pray, amen.